Welcome back. We are back. We're back, guys. We're back with another episode of Trap Therapy. Very special episode. I'm looking forward to today. I feel like this shit's fun. I'm very excited, but also very sad to the end of an era. But, you know, we'll get into it in a second. How was your Christmas, Rollis? <laughs> my Christmas was it was Christmas um I would say I didn't wake up with the Christmas spirit and then a lot of random shit happened but I was able to spend time with some you know some close friends and everything so it ended well but it wasn't you know it it was not the Christmas of my Christmas's past but mm-hmm. home this year so that was part of it, but I think I've I've hit it like a, a groove now that it was okay and you know, in the grander scheme of things that it wasn't terrible. So it was it was cool. How was how was your Christmas, Jess? Baby the Grinch stole my Christmas. <laughs> and when I <laughs> And when I say stole it from me, that nigga stole that thing from me. Hoodwinked, bamboo. hoodwinked, bamboozled, run amok. Um uh, COVID finally got me, y'all. I had a I had a good run. You I did. had two years of a good run. And uh, Marion just glided on my immune system, baby. And um But an icebox where your heart used to be, huh? I mean, literally. I mean, two days before Christmas, I went to the doctor because I said, I, something in my body is not right. Cause I thought it was my sinuses, and I was like, mm, but I'm getting the chills too. This what? ain't no sinus. Not the chills, honey. And I took my black ass to the doctor, and she's like, mm-hmm, "Yeah, you've been um, tested positive for COVID. So what I'm gonna need you to do, you're gonna have to quarantine for ten days." And I'm like, "Wait a minute now, because Christmas Eve is tomorrow." Wait a damn minute, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, you know, despite me having COVID, I feel like Christmas was just like a Saturday to me. Mm-hmm. It was. It was just that. But, you know, I had a lot of good friends and family who came to check on me and give me things and called me and kept my spirits up. So that was really nice. Yeah, you had a, you had a, <laughs> you, listen, you, it's like you, they finally took down the champ. They finally, they, they took me down. Finally got you. Yeah. 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 So I, and so I think that was, I think that's how the holidays have been for a lot of people. I know because we kind of talked about this on our last episode, our very holiday, special holiday episode that, it, it you know, COVID has increased. It, the numbers are ridiculous. So I do think just sidebar, everybody take care of yourself. Be mindful. And Please. I sure know New Year's Eve, like I will not be around nobody at nobody's establishment because mm-mm. Mm, mm-mm. she is running amok. She is running amok. Yeah, oh. so right. Put your oh, mask on. Please hear me and no, ma'am. Take your vitamin C, take your zinc, take your, take your vitamin D, get your emergency, all the other type of stuff. Because, baby, Amarion is really, like, Amarion is, is taking us down to he the ground. Hot blocking all over the place. <laughs> Hot blocking his and crumping 
all over the country. The all world. over the country, all over the world, just just spreading ridiculously. But yeah. Um, enough about COVID. We have a very special episode for you guys today. Um, you know, we had an end of an era on this uh, past Sunday. Jesus. It was. It's like we had a death in the family. Mm. So in case you guys don't know, if you're not informed, there's this amazing show called Insecure. On yes. A- if you have not seen it, you need to go binge watch it because it's over. I, even my mom is watching it. Every, you have to watch it. It's very much about the Black experience, specifically, I think, in the the um, early to like mid-30s, which is like, mm-hmm. I'll let me. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Uh, it just ended this past Sunday, and it was... It's been a, it's been a journey. It's it has been a journey. It it's has. been a journey. Um, Insecure is like one of those shows where it's kind of like if you started it when you like when it originally started, it's like you grow up with the show, you know. Um, so sometimes, I mean, when when it ended, I was like, damn, like I done spent six years with these niggas. You know, I'm not the same person that I was when this shit started. Um, and Ooh. I. And where, that's what's crazy. Where, where were you at in life when Insecure started? Do you remember? I do. I do. I had just gotten out of a very long relationship. Okay. And I was still, like, very much grieving the relationship. Mm-hmm. It was, like, it was 2016. Right. That's when the show started. So I was, like, it it was fresh to me. Like, watching Insecure, it was like I was kind of somewhat looking at my life, if that made sense. It was very, it gave me very much of a mirror. So some parts of Insecure are extremely triggering for me. And some parts are just like, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this. But yeah, I had just kind of, I just graduated from grad school. So I kind of had just, like, gotten my, um like my grad degree and I had just started working like at this my very first place that I worked it was a substance abuse um substance abuse center and yeah and I had just got out of a long relationship and the breakup was not the best breakup and I just remember sitting watching Insecure like damn Mm. Mm. look at me working at a nonprofit, also dealing with the end of a relationship like Issa Rae it was just like this shit is crazy you know that's crazy. Where were you at? That you, it's so funny. I had just located to Charlotte. Okay. I was literally living on my friend's couch. I had wow. Lived, I, it's so funny to think. <laughs> but I remember him saying, "Oh, there's this show coming on, and everybody's saying to watch it." So I was like, "Okay." So I want to say I had just moved to Charlotte. Um, no. Lord, I was in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Ooh, Rock Hill. I never knew you was in Rock Hill, baby. I, I was living in Rock Hill, South Carolina. I had, you know, been planning it for a few, like, for, like, the summer. I had packed up all my clothes and everything and a TV, and I just left all my big apartment stuff back home in New York um, in the storage, and I was like, I'm going to move here, and I'm going to start over, and I'm going to discover some stuff. So, yeah, when Insecure was on, I was really just trying to figure things out. I was very much just like, oh, I'm here now. I got to go out and make things happen. And so it's so funny that I didn't really think about it. Girl, I feel like I was basically Lawrence at the time. I was just... Not Lawrence! On a couch having a dream about what was gonna, what was to come next. And so 
yeah, Insecure was very, was I was very much in a place of, you know, wanting to start over and wanting to start something new and kind of taking that leap of faith. And it kind of came out at that time of just, you know, with a, a bunch of people who are also trying to figure out like what's next like what what what's after this point in life um yeah like what what baby i'm in hell right now so where are we going from here that i think at that time i was 27 or 28 so Mm -hmm. i that oh my god i'm gonna be 30 soon what the hell does that yeah have my life set up i should be married with kids by now yeah that it kind of came at that time where i feel like they were having those same kind of thoughts because they're we're in the, they're in the same same age group and I yeah. think to have I don't know if I can ever say I've had a show that reflected my life as an adult of people within the same age group like I've been able to go back and watch older shows that like, yeah all for years and I'm their age now but I feel like Insecure is the first time I'm like oh I feel like we're growing together at the mm-hmm. same there are people who are in the same you know uh, stage of life that I could like possibly like oh I could actually be actual friends with these people like these are people that I, it would not be strange like oh yeah I have a friend named Issa or I have a friend named Molly and this is what we got going on so I think that made a huge difference in like the way that I was acclimated to this show yeah super relatable like I could see myself in every episode mm-hmm. which I don't get that a lot with a lot of shows that I watch and you know I'm like a TV movie junkie right. um, but like Insecure if you haven't watched it yet if you haven't watched the season finale, I don't know, baby, it's going to be a lot of spoiler alert. So maybe you don't need to listen to this episode. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Insecure is just like one of those shows that will go down in history for me. I'll probably tell my kids like, oh, yeah, like how about you used to tell me about a different world and such shit like that. Like, baby, Insecure. Yes. Insecure. It was but Insecure and it got me through some shit, too. Like, you know, you know. <laughs> It, it, it made me second guess a lot of shit because I, I who is who is hitting close to home? <laughs> okay hit close to home and it made me laugh at my trauma sometimes hey like now that I'm thinking about it oh I'm, shit I'm about to be triggered all over <laughs> think about it so on this specific episode me and Morales are going to talk about the real love story of Insecure and we're going to talk about I'm going to talk about Issa and Rollis is going to talk about Molly. And we are going to tell you, if we were their therapist, what we would work on them with based on what we have seen throughout the whole entire series. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so this is just a question for you. Okay. This, and just, do you feel like you can see yourself in Molly? Who is the character that you feel like you relate to the most on Insecure? Molly. Okay. Gotcha. Molly apps. <laughs> I'm no. And the reason I say that is because from what I would have to watch a lot of I've had to go I've had to go back and watch rewatch a lot of episodes because a lot of times I didn't see the fault or the issue with things that Molly was doing. Mm. It made sense to me. And I know Team Issa, I get all that and I you know, I do always try to play devil's advocate, but I just think from a personality perspective, I'm like, oh, I understood Molly more than, or related to Molly more than I related to Issa. And I was looking at it, oh, that's probably because I either am making or have made very similar to decisions to Molly. So, of course, it's going to make sense to me. Yeah, for sure. I get that. What about you? Who do you feel like you related to the most? Or, like, who did you see yourself in as a character? Oh, Issa, hands down. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, hands down. I just feel like the, a lot of the behaviors that she, she exhibited or the way that she thought, I was like, fuck, like, damn. Mm, I do that same shit too, girl. Like, I get what you're feeling. I understand this. Oh. A little bit way too much, is, you know? Is this episode actually us giving therapy to ourselves? Wow, it is. <laughs> now, I don't know if I'm going to take it because, you know, they say doctors are the worst right. person to take it. <laughs> but, like, this whole out of this, I signed up for this shit today. Hold on, wait a minute. Wait. Hold the fuck on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. All right, so I'm going to start it out with okay. Issa D. Um, if I was Issa D's therapist, I think the thing that I would work on with her the most is for sure her anxiety. And if you've ever watched the show, you can see that her anxiety is like manifested through this person on the other side of her, which us, the viewers, the show, they call it mirror bitch, right? Mm -hmm. Mirror bitch is just Issa in the mirror talking to herself. Uh, Well, really her mirror talking to her, right? And kind of like somewhat sabotaging her, Mm -hmm. if you really think about it, right? Mirror bitch is like the devil on her shoulder like she has you know how there's like the angel and like the devil like mirror bitch is like that devil in the mirror that keeps on telling her like what she can't do and when we talk about that in therapy the whole basis of that we call that negative Mm self-talk right so we've talked about negative self-talk a little bit before on the show and Negative self-talk is very self-explanatory. It's the things that you say to yourself that are not positive. They're actually negative, right? Mm -hmm. And we break it down into things of like where you have all or nothing thinking, right? So where you see things as black and white instead of like shades of gray. So like an example is like, say, I'm a horrible person. I'm a bad person. Issa used to do this shit a lot, right? Issa's thinking used to be very much black and white and never in between. Mm-hmm. I think on the latest episode where we saw it was like not the finale, but the one before that where her and Mira Bitch were talking in the mirror, right? And Mira Bitch was kind of like, okay, well, what would happen if you ended up like if you decided to just stay here in LA, right? Or like, what would happen if you decided not to go with Krayshawn and then like you decided to move off and work with these white people, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, it's either this or it's that. It never meshed somewhere in the middle to give her a very much like a very smooth median, right? So that was negative self-talk. Also overgeneralization. Overgeneralization. So this means when you extend a negative thought so that it reaches even further. So, and another example is like, oh, well, I can never do anything, right? Okay. If you have watched Insecure, you know that Issa, I love her. She's my girl, but she overgeneralizes a lot, mm-hmm. like throughout the series, right? And sometimes she like she'll even say things like to her friends. Like I think, do you remember when her and Molly got into it, and she was kind of playing like a victim role a little bit, where she was like, they, she just like, well, maybe I'm just not a good friend to you, or maybe we're not supposed to be friends, mm-hmm. and I like. Baby, that's an overgeneralization, but that's because of her negative self-talk, which is manifested through her anxiety, right? The other one is a mental filter. So when you filter out all the good stuff to focus on just specifically the bad. 
And an example of that is like, I didn't accomplish anything today or I haven't done anything. And it's kind of like, well, I've been in the same spot for like a month or a month and a half. Uh, Issa does this a lot, right? So she, if if we really look at Issa from the beginning to end, she started off at like a nonprofit where she was miserable. Mm-hmm. She, the bitch wasn't making no motherfucking money. Mm-hmm. She was living like in a one bedroom apartment. But in the end, like when we get to the end of the series, we can see like when we really look at it, it's like, damn, girl, you went from a nonprofit to like basically making your own business, which is actually like lucrative and it's actually bringing in money. But Issa had this very much mental filter where she wasn't able to see that. So she saw the block. Right. But she didn't see that she started at we got y'all in the trenches to the block. (laughs) Be every time I think <laughs> we got y'all. We got First y'all. I've ever heard in my life. Just I'm just saying. That is so damn ghetto. <laughs> I am fucking weak. Terrible. Terrible. Other <laughs> examples of um, you know, like negative self talk is jumping to conclusions. Okay. Listen, I am also a victim of negative self-talk, okay? So I'm talking to myself, too. But jumping to conclusions is when you make an even bigger and broader negative thought, like a really, really big picture Mm -hmm. from a very small negative experience, right? So it's kind of like an example could be, well, he said he didn't want to go out with me, so, like, I must be an unlovable person. And it's like, what? Like, bitch, he just said, like, he can't go out with you because he has something else to do today, not because you're unlovable, right? So it's like you're jumping from one one small little thing to a whole big conclusion. And if you watch Insecure, you can see that, like, Issa does this a lot. When I say, my girl, my girl be jumping. I mean, leaps and bounds to just, like, things that are like, girl, I do not know how you got that from this, but okay. Um, case in point, her in this fucking relationship with Nathan. I don't, I don't know how we got from her and Nathan chilling to her saying, I love you. Now that isn't negative self-talk, but I'm just saying. (laughs) Bring, put it on the docket, please. Just We're going to get there. Okay. But yeah. (laughs) So negative self-talk is what I will work on with fucking Issa and also her, also her anxiety. We've talked about anxiety before. Now, the things that Issa would have to do to get over her anxiety is actually identify her actual negative thoughts, right? So when we have anxiety disorders, they can be super dangerous. Well, they can be perceived as more dangerous than what they are, right? Mm -hmm. So it does seem like, oh, well, I have anxiety. Like, this could be really detrimental. And it's like, yes, it could be detrimental if we allow it to be detrimental, right? Mm Because anxiety is that bitch, is mirror bitch. It's mirror bitch who tells you like, girl, you can't do this. You can't do that. Why would you do this? Why would you like, it's you're always second guessing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And the one strategy is to ask yourself what you were thinking when you started to feel anxious, right? So maybe it's like, for Issa, maybe her anxiety is like fueled from fear, right? It's like, I'm anxious about this, 
but yes, the feeling of anxious is rooted in something else. Right. Maybe it's fear of the unknown. Maybe it's the fear of being alone. Maybe it's the, like it, it can be from so many things. So first we have to identify what your actual negative thoughts are and then what is the root of the actual negative thought. After we do that, then we have to challenge the negative thought, right? So we talked about this before too on trap therapy. I think I told you guys before, scientifically, you need five positive thoughts for every like one negative thought because mm-hmm. negative thoughts, I don't, it's something about that brain. That brain, when it gets a hold of a negative thought, it can't let it go. And I think that if you're in a place that you're you're thinking negatively or your mood is just negative, it's like, it's pretty much, it's like easy, super easy to think of negative. It's like if I ask, you know, somebody, tell me six negative things that can happen right now. Oh, they can, it's like second nature. But to say like, tell me something positive that might happen, it takes a significant amount more work to actually think about something positive. Negative things just are just seem to be more easily accessible. And I think that's kind of how people get caught up in that system of thinking of those things first or having like 10, 12 things. I mean, like, damn, it took me two minutes to even think about something positive. But that's just, a, I think, a dynamic that happens that kind of perseverates. And I think that helps. That is why people kind of get caught up in a system of that negative self-talk coming. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So when you challenge the negative thought, it involves like questioning the evidence that you have for the actual negative thought. Like, hmm, I'm having this negative thought, but why exactly am I having it? Like, like we just talked about before with identifying it. Then we analyze the unhelpful beliefs that we have, like surrounded in the negative thought. And then we sometimes it's even best to test out the reality of the negative prediction right even if it does seem like it could be a a loophole and a cycle into just something that does not make sense like me saying like well I have COVID um I have the MRI on so I'm not gonna be able to go to work on Monday and if I'm not gonna be able to go to work then most likely they're gonna fire me and if I get fired I'm not gonna be able to find another job in the pandemic and if I can't find another job then I'm not gonna be able to pay my bills if I can't like it okay you know what I'm saying (laughs) I mean, it just it just starts and you just add to it and it just it's off the race. It's hard to to come back. Exactly. Exactly. So what I would tell Issa to do in these moments where it's kind of like you are having these negative thoughts and your bitch won't shut the fuck up. Even though I know we live in a day and an age where like writing seems to be like not really a thing anymore. Like, girl, list out a pros and a cons list. Like just list it the fuck out and then on top of that like really deep dive into what the negative thought is and if that negative thought is actually logical because separating feeling and logic is going to be super important when we actually talk about anxiety and when we actually talk about replacing negative thoughts with realistic thoughts because most of the time our anxiety is not logical at all that bitch just be baking up shit like she just the girl just be making up anything on top of her head. Like, yeah, you can't go to work. Your ass going to be homeless in two weeks. And you be like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what? What damn minute? Like, no, I'm not. I'm not about to be homeless in two weeks, you know? So we have to figure out the logic and everything that actually happens. I think that would have helped Issa a lot. If, and I think Molly did help her with that sometimes, especially when we got to the end of the season. Where it's kind of like, okay, yeah, you're saying that it's not going to work out, but what if it does? Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, then what? 
where is that going to lead you? And it's kind of like, oh, well, I don't know. I never thought about it in that way. It's like, yeah, bitch, I'm sure you haven't. Because mere bitch and your negative self-talk and your anxiety keep on telling you that it can't work out. But mm-hmm. you haven't thought about the possibility of that if it actually could. You know? So that's what I work on with her from the top. Issa mm-hmm. has anxiety, for sure. But then, this is, this is, once we move from anxiety, we're going to move into codependency. Get into it, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> ho 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 okay if you have started if you watch Insecure you know that Issa has a love affair with this fine ass man named Lawrence right now he wasn't that fine in the beginning have you ever watched going back to season one and episode oh, one a bum season one okay he <laughs> was a bum I'm sorry I don't know if the lighting was bad but the first season I was like my nobody Lawrence if you say you were, you're a liar. You're a liar. Nobody was checking for Lawrence's when he was a bum. Like he, this period. There's I no- was like, there's no way that somebody could be physically attracted. He's tall. That's it, though. You know, that's- for <laughs> right there. <laughs> is he fine or is he tall? Oh, you should the table today, Jessica. I'm shaking the tables. <laughs> okay, so basically. I will work on codependency with Issa because throughout the whole entire series of Insecure, I don't think that I can think of Issa ever really being alone. Mm. Like just, and even if she is alone, like being content with being alone. Can you think of any times? No, I can't think of it, but I think even just even allowing herself to sit with that uncomfortability for a while is key that it's like okay you're gonna be alone today it's gonna be very uncomfortable let's see like but let's yeah let's sit in it i think that anytime that she was that she started to become uncomfortable with her alone time that's when she would start to reach out to people either from her past or people who she met wasn't the, the best dynamic just to have that um that socialization to somebody yeah, yeah have that somebody there so I think that is kind of one thing that has been a, a constant with Issa throughout this it's kind of like oh you're so uncomfortable with being alone that you may you know go back to not necessarily the best situation or the best people just so you don't have to deal with those feelings correct that is very correct so for those of you who don't know codependency it can also be referred to as like relationship addiction right so that's when you have an emotional or behavioral condition and it interferes with like your ability to develop a healthy and a mutual satisfying relationship with somebody else and it can be super frustrating and like also destructive as fuck right but there's things that you can learn to do in order to know how to not cope with being codependent because we don't want to cope we want to stop being codependent right it's one of those things where, bitch, you got to throw that shit in the fucking trash can because this shit going to be detrimental. All right. So when we say codependency, <clears throat> we're just going to talk about Issa and, and how I know that like, OK, this bitch like mm, she's actually like very codependent. OK, so here's our here are the risk factors and characteristics of codependency. Now, if I read these to y'all and you'd be like, hmm, this is kind of hitting home, bitch, you might be codependent. We might be talking about you. <laughs> OK. Right. OK, 
So the first one is lack of trust in self or in others, right? Throughout the series, we saw that Issa, like, she did not have the best, like, the best confidence in herself. Like, she just always second-guessed herself. And it doesn't, didn't seem like she trusted herself a lot in the decisions that she made. Second one is fear of being alone or abandoned. Like we just talked about, Issa, that bitch was never, like, alone. And if she was alone, she found somebody quickly so that she would not be alone. The third one is a need to control other people. Four is chronic anger. Five, frequent lying. Six, poor communication skills. Seven, troublemaking decisions. Now, this is the one, okay? If we, <laughs> this is the one. Troublemaking skills. Issa and Insecure was probably the most impulsive bitch that I have ever met. <laughs> but that's why I saw myself in her because bitch I can be impulsive one thing about me I might make a rash decision I might be like you know what I'm gonna I'm test this nigga you know what and that's just that's me okay so that's how I saw myself in her um, um, another one is problems with intimacy okay and then the next one I'm gonna say she had problems with this too. Difficulty establishing boundaries. <sighs> Issa, Issa really just let people run in and out her life. Just when I say in and out, that girl did not put up a fence for no fucking body. She's just like, if you come in, you come in. If you if you go out, you go out. Like Nathan, how the fuck did this nigga get back in her fucking life? I will never. <laughs> ne- I will never. That nigga ghosted her. I, I mean, I will ghosted. Never. I'll never forgive him for that. I, I got <laughs> shit. I get it. Obviously, as a therapist, I get it. Baby, I never got over that. I never got, got I, And I'll never get over it. Never. He literally ghosted. When I, I say ghosted, I thought this nigga was dead. I got over it in the sense of, okay, y'all cool again. That's all right. I don't, that's, that's your path. But as far as them starting to date or talk seriously again, I was like, oh, no, that was that 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 door should have been closed. It should have been closed and locked. Because I do not know how I, I honestly do not know how that happened. But girl, it's because she doesn't have any boundaries and she has difficulty um, establishing them. Um, some more are trouble adjusting to change. An extreme need for approval and recognition, um, a tendency to become hurt when others don't recognize their efforts, um, and this one, oh Jesus, a tendency to confuse love and pity. I know you fucking lying. <laughs> <laughs> I know you fucking lying. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Uh, you know what? Y'all be thinking it. You know what? Y'all. Okay. I don't want to generalize. I don't want to say y'all. People will really think that, like, this person loves me. I know this person loves me. Like, because the way that they show it and the, the things that they do and the things they say. And it's like, no stink. They don't love you. They feel sorry for you. Yeah. And, um, those two are not synonymous. They're not the same thing. And even with confusing love and pity, 
this is how I feel like her her and Nathan said they loved each other, honestly. Like that's how that's how I think that that came into self. Because I feel like Issa found out that he was bipolar, right? Mm-hmm. And that he had been going through a lot of shit. And she kind of found out like the backstory of him and like how she like just all the shit that he had been going through, right? And then he helped her on that one random ass day for like six hours, eight hours. And then all of a sudden she's like, and that's and that's why I love you. I love you so much. And then it's like, girl, wait, what? You don't fucking love this nigga. You just feel sorry for this man. I, listen, when it happened, I was just like, wait, wait, hold up, slow, slow down, slow down. But in her defense, and y'all listen, if you know me, I'll, I'll listen, I'll judge Issa just off the, off the cuff, just about anything. I think anything. at that point, though, they had a good relationship. They had been friends for a while. So I can understand saying, oh, I love this about you. That does not mean I'm in love with you. I'm pursuing you romantically. And I think that that was just a missed conversation for them to have because to me there was never a that spark of I want to be with you long term was not there and I think they kind of both avoided having that conversation but it was very watching it as an outsider was very much like you know he's a great person you have a good time with you have love for him but you don't love him but you don't you don't love him and I think that that was a, a instance of being like yeah you're not really having that conversation with yourself but then at the same time I also think she wanted to love him because you remember we saw in the next episode when they were having sex and he didn't say it back to her and she was very bothered by that but that also goes from codependency because he feel when you're codependent like I said before like you feel the need to be recognized by other people all of the time if that makes sense, you know? So him not saying that she loved him, that him not saying that he loved her was just kind of like, well, bitch, why the fuck don't you love me? Right. Oh, well, I said it to you. Why didn't you <laughs> say it back? And it, it becomes very much a, you know, it, it, was, it was very, it, it became very forced. It was like, oh, well, now I said it. You should, you're obligated to return it. We it, Right. Yeah. Uh, no, baby, that that's not how a, a healthy functioning relationship should work. It should not work. That should not be the dynamic. That's good. it should not work. It should not work. Um, and if I mean honestly, if Issa came to my office and she was talking about her and Nathan being together, you know, she's telling me about this new nigga that she has in her life, like she does every so often, every three four weeks. Um, you know, I would ask her these questions of like, hey, let's really think about who you are when you are in relationships, right? And then we can really figure out if you're codependent. So I would ask her questions like, um, are you afraid to let other people be who they are and allow events to happen naturally? You know, mm-hmm. like that would be a very good question for me to ask her because it feels like Issa also like during the series, she needed a sense of control like over everything. And if she was out of control and she felt like there was nothing that she could change and it was completely out of her hands, like she would, her anxiety, it, it, it would not go very well for her. Mm-hmm. You know? I, that, go ahead. Okay. No, 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 go. No, no, I was just saying, I, I do think like part of her, 
the 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 fear of being alone or that that was so much for anxiety so like i think she just constantly filled her life with distractions whatever those distractions might be like i'm just gonna do this stuff so i don't have to think about it i'm gonna distract myself and you know it there was like how many times have we ever looked like oh when is a day that Issa kind of just went it's like you know i'm just gonna take this week to do my own thing to kind of right stuff out to process some stuff that it was usually very impulsive like i'm just gonna go skip work and go hang out with this guy for the day. I'm just going to quit my job. And I'm not saying, you know, things did not work out, but in the long run, it's kind of like, oh, that's not a very, not everybody's able to do that. Um, because, and then I think that she, she did that so often. And then with having that impulsivity and then it kind of being like, oh, well, I quit my job and now I need help. And it's kind of like, well, girl, what? <laughs> and then if I don't help you now with, now, now you're a bad friend. Because I didn't want to help you, but who told you to just quit your job today because you didn't want to be there? Like, girl. But I think just that those, I think her anxiety would just get the best of her to make her make rash decisions that would feel great in the moment. But then I don't think she really realized, like, oh, this is only going to give you extended anxiety because now you've just shifted the worry from one thing onto something different. Onto something different, right. Um, and then another question that I ask her is like, do you, do you avoid openly talking about your problems? And if, I mean, Issa, I feel like she did that a lot. She would honestly, in the face of like any type of conflict, she would retreat like immediately. Like she doesn't want to talk about it. She doesn't want to be about it. Her communication skills were piss poor. Now they improved throughout the series, but baby, like season one, two, three, I was like, girl, please. <laughs> you do not you do not have the tools to talk about shit like right. communication was just not for her um so with Issa it would just really be about like helping her to in order to get rid of her codependency it's like looking for signs of a healthy relationship and like her being able to define what a healthy relationship looks like for her so that she can actually, so when she gets in one, she could be like, oh, this ain't it. This is not what I said was a healthy relationship. And she could get her ass out of it. And then also like making healthy boundaries, you know, because once you establish that boundary and you make it a very firm boundary for yourself, it makes life a whole lot easier, a whole lot more practical practical for you because can't nobody fuck you over. Right. You know? Listen, that was a word. So, so there's that. And um, I'm very sad that the series is coming to a close. I feel like a part of me has just kind of died. <laughs> well, damn. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But what you got for Molly? Girl, so listen. <laughs> Just so y'all know, I have been Team Molly forever, and you've one, been a ride or die. I have, and once I rewatched it, I said, "Ooh, Molly got some shit," <laughs> but I didn't see it. I didn't see it at first, and I think that was because of so much of what Molly's, um, how she presented things, were very passive aggressive. Mm. Is like a very common theme throughout the entirety of this show. Um, these relationships, a lot of these conversations were very much came from passive aggressive standpoints. And I feel like Molly learned pos- uh, passive aggressiveness to a T. And she mm. how to really say what she wanted to say, but in a way that was kind of um, very negative and very demeaning that. Although she, there may have been some factual or some, you know, a way to actually, some actual, like, meat to what she was saying. Her presentation was terrible. And then... Tacky. Her, 
get hurt. So I think a lot of things, so let's like give an example of one of the things that Molly um, had a history of doing um, was backhanded compliments and sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Backhanded compliments and sarcasm are, you know, I, I can't think of a specific, but I'm sure there were many times Molly would say like, oh, looks like you're talking to so-and-so again. Mm. Yeah. This love. Oh, no, I remember one time she was like, damn. Can't you ever just deal with somebody and not be messy? <laughs> like, like it was very cutting. It was very hurtful. Like, I, damn, what the fuck you mean by that, bitch? It was very much like, well, Molly, why aren't you able to sit down and have a conversation with your friend about how she chooses partners or how she does things? Like, why does it have to come across in a... Anytime you're saying something under your breath loud enough for somebody to hear, that's passive aggressive. And it's probably never going to be taken the way that you intended to take it. Mm-mm. I think that Molly had a history of doing that. And I think so much of Molly's behaviors and how she looked at things was just, she came from this place of um, idolization. Yes. She came from this place of this is what should happen. This is what it should be like. This is where things should be. And I think that, you know, just relating to her, like and being in that same kind of age bracket, and I know it's different from men and women, but just having that, I feel like growing up 30 has always been like this number of like, once you get there, you got to have this and this. And I think that kind of pushed her and kind of, you know, um, forced her into, forced her natural fearful anxiety to kind of rise. So ideally for people who are like for uh, fearful, um, avoided adults, to maintain healthy boundaries, they need to watch for unrealistic expectations that they place on their friends because they're most afraid of rejection. If not, they could preemptively start fights or cut their friends off. So a big thing with Molly was she felt like this should happen, this should happen, whether that was in her relationships, um, her friendships, her work, anything that did not go according to script was like very, very difficult for her to understand. And she was not very very engaged in trying to help problem solve of like realizing that people were people. For example, when she found out that her father had an affair years and years ago. And she was holding on to that thing. Her, Molly was so, but she got to the point where she was outright disrespectful. She would be in the house, ignore her father and do things and make underhanded comments in front of the family. And it was kind of like, well, Molly, what are you, you're, you're, um, you're projecting like you're, right. t- you're, Feelings of out on these people, but these are humans. They made, you know, they this is a mistake that they've accepted and they're acknowledging. So what is it that, it was at the point that it was almost like Molly felt that she had the need to, to punish her father. Mm-hmm. Even though it had nothing to do with her. And I think that that is a common trope for mine that has, that has been there. But I think that kind of came from the fact that she idolizes. And if this doesn't work, what does that mean for me? Right. And I, in all of her relationships as well. Um, any situation that might seem to be going somewhere or like you could have a good date, Molly's like kind of jumping to the next point. Like, oh, well, we got to do this now and this is going to happen next and this and kind of putting that pressure on people who didn't necessarily sign up for that pressure. Right. For that. And, you know, dating out here is very ghetto. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think those episodes were important to show like, oh, we can kind of push things faster than need to because of our fear of oh if I don't do this then this isn't going to work out and I think so much of the things that she did kind of came from that fear came from the fear of I got to make sure I'm doing this and I'm going to make sure to do this but it kind of went to the other extreme where she was doing team too much she was doing a lot she was doing a lot no um and I think that when it comes to autization I think it was also very hard for Molly to take any accountability 
Right. Anytime there was a major issue, Molly, um, and I think it's also um, part of communication, Molly never really acknowledged or was able to see her wrong in the situation. Mm-hmm. Never able. It was like, nope, Andrew's brother disrespected me. It's a dub forever. I'll never go to your family's house. I'll never do. It was like, that was. <laughs> like, girl, please. Like, my dad cheated on my mom. He's dead to me. I'm done with him. Nothing, nothing, whatever. Oh, this guy kissed the guy back in high in college. He's gay. I'm not dealing with him, blah, blah, blah. But then Molly would often put herself in situations to go against exactly what she had said. Right. So she would say, like, oh, he's gay. I'm not dealing with him. But then, oh, I'm lonely. Let me go to his house and see what he's doing. So she's being very emotionally manipulative, mm-hmm. which is a very big thing to happen. And then let's talk about Dro. Dro! Dro. Dro to me was the big example of Molly never really identifying what her negotiables and non-negotiables are with Mm. determining a long-term relationship. So I do want to normalize. I think open marriages, um, polygamy, polyamory, you know, multiple, you know, um, not maybe necessarily um, monogamous relationships are look a little different now. I think we're in a generation of having these conversations and I do think it's okay to be open and explore. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. I don't think Molly, before she kind of engaged into this dynamic, she never really understood or asked to find out what are the parameters? What does this actually look like? What will our dynamic look like? What am I, what am I able to do? What am I able not to do as far as like our engagement and being in public and things like that? And then having all that information, sitting down with it and saying to yourself, is this something that I truly want? Is this something that I'm comfortable with? Right. Versus, oh, this is what he's giving me. And so I guess I got to take it. I'm but now I'm not really okay with it. Yeah, versus saying like, you know what? Ideally, this is not what I see for myself. And just knowing that where I am emotionally, I can't handle it. I can't handle you being full-time with somebody else. And I think that's okay to say that because not everybody is equipped for it. But right. I, that was one thing that she never really did. Like, she just would say oh, no, this is wrong, and this is wrong. And it's like, well, Molly, what what is it that you want? And are you idolizing things that are not, you know, necessarily um, ideal? And I think that that also changes as we get older. I think that the things that you want from a partner when you're in your 20s is going to be different when you're in your 30s versus, you know, versus different when you're in your 40s. You know, you can be in your 20s and say, I don't want a man who has a child. If you're up to about 30 or 40, that may not, you know. <laughs> Baby, chances to swim without children ain't nothing wrong with having kids but i'm saying like as you get older i feel like your parameters need to change only because i think that the dating pool looks different once you hit different brackets of time and i think that never really took that into account and she was very much like no i got my job i want this and i think that even um her job satisfaction going from her first job but we didn't have this at my last job but we didn't have this at my last job and it was like well molly we're not at that job yeah why did you leave what was your purpose of leaving? What did you want out of this place? What experience did you want to have? So now you're here and all you're thinking about is what I'm My not old job. Or yeah, what I'm not getting versus, oh, well, what is it that you truly wanted to get? I still don't know what the hell she wanted to get out of it. I feel like it was more money, but then she complained about everything. So I was like, well, I don't feel like you really took the time to figure out what, what did you feel like was most important within the agency? Because I feel like a lot of those things, um, as far as the systems at her new job and stuff, like, girl, had you probably asked some of these questions at the interview, you might have found out what the culture was at this new position before you got there and then got right. 
this idolization of, oh, this is what is supposed to happen. This is what right. needs. And I think that's kind of where so much of where things come up. And I think Molly did not have the best communication. Um, no. It let a lot of opportunities pass. The one thing that pissed me off was, remember they had that big fight and then they went to the diner to like check in. Girl, that was the most, I said, you know what? Neither of these bitches know how to talk to each other. Yeah. And so Molly left in the way, the way they left. Issa left thinking, oh, we didn't talk about it. So everything it's is good. Molly left like, well, she didn't bring it up. So I didn't want to talk about it. And then when her boyfriend addressed it, like, well, if you kind of felt like it was something that needed to be discussed and you had the opportunity, why didn't you take it? Well, she asked me out. And it was very much like not taking any ownership, not taking any accountability, making it like I'm perfect. And I, if they invite me, they should do this. Versus saying, you know what, since I'm here, and I don't want to take up this, I don't want this opportunity to pass. Let me just go ahead and do it for my own peace of mind rather than playing this. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's your fault. It's my fault. Because I don't think that long term, those are things that you want to have in your relationships. It wants to be like, I want this to be better. I don't really care who started it. I get I understand like not having to always be that person. Yeah. I do think that that just comes along with setting boundaries, having communication about that. And I love that her her therapist challenged her. I was like, you know, Molly, do you want to be right or do you want to have these relationships? Because not everything has to come down into a competition, a competition of whether you were wrong or whether I was wrong. Right. Because she just, Molly just always has to be right. Like she literally has to be right. But that also Mm -hmm. comes from her actually want to have control of of Mm -hmm. her whole entire environment. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like, girl, you can't be right all the damn time. But she also couldn't handle it when she was wrong. So you know? And I think Molly was very much like a person who I I related to people who like, if some people think in terms of math and some people think thinks in terms of art. Some people are, think like very structured, you know, there's one way to do this, this is the correct way, like math. Math is very, this is how you do it, it's pretty straightforward. Art or English is very open to interpretation, it's very like, there is no right way to do this, there is no perfect path, but I think right. trying to have a conversation, those two people struggle to have those kind of conversations because I think Molly was measuring her success of, I need to have this, I need to earn this, I need to do this, I need to have this. And it's kind of like, oh, if that's kind of how you're judging yourself or measuring yourself, the people who are around you or in your life may not necessarily be fit into those small, in those um, boxes yourself. So you're kind of setting yourself up for disappointment that they're never really going to reach these these standards because people are not yeah. tangible like that. People can't be measured, you know, in like terms of happiness and stuff in the same way that I think Molly was trying to force herself or force others to be. To be the same way she was. So what I would do with Molly is to really sit down and have a conversation about if Molly was being really honest with herself, because I think so much of in, even when Molly would reveal stuff or disclose information, there would always be parts that she left out. There would always. Oh yeah, for sure. Did not fully say. And I think that to me um, lets me know that you have some type of insight or awareness that maybe what you're doing is not the best thing. And that's not a judgmental thing that it's like, oh, if I didn't tell you part of this, part of me might know that that was some bullshit, but I'm not going to tell you that. Yeah, I'm not telling you that for have to admit that. And I think there were so many times that Molly would be like, well, even in therapy, when she was going to therapy. Oh, my God. 
her therapist stuff, I remember she accidentally mentioned Dro's name and she was like, Well, who's Dro? Who the hell is Dro? So then that came out and it was kind of like, Well, I think if you know that there are certain things that you're not wanting to share or that you're keeping to yourself, kind of explain, Well, what is the reason for that? Are you doing it for your benefit? Are you doing it because you don't want to hear other people's opinions? Or are you feeling like there may be something that you know is an issue, but you're just not ready to acknowledge it or you just kind of want to ignore it? If you just kind of mentally saying, you know what, I don't, I don't, I don't want to care, so I'm going to do it anyway. But I think going back to, is that something that you know inherently that you can handle? And I think that was the biggest thing that I discovered, at least about myself and with Molly. It's like, oh, there were certain things that I've done. And I'm like, in my head, I was telling myself I should be able to handle, to handle it. But mm-hmm. knowing, having known who, you know, been the same person for all these years of my life, had I been honest with myself, I would have said, Rollis, you can't handle that. That's not what you want. That's not something that your personality can handle. So stop trying to force yourself to be somebody that you're not. And I think that there were a lot of instances that I think Molly needed to to do the same same thing. And so I think that one another thing actually has to do is like, you know, kind of have that period of grief. Like grieve and say, like, what are all the things that you expected to happen for your life at this point? What are goals mm-hmm. and standards and things that you set forth and said to yourself, hey, in order for me to be successful, I'm going to be here, 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 and here. And then having a conversation about, are those goals still realistic to who you are today? Are those realistic to where you are in the journey of life? Are those things, even things that you want anymore, are there things that may not happen that is that we need to grieve and say, you know what, that was something that I wanted, that I saw for myself, but I don't think that's going to happen. That's not to say not to still, you know, desire it, but also to say, like, having that honest conversation with yourself that this may not be the um, the path that, I want it to be on. And I think a lot of people, if they're able to express that and say, you know what, I'm mad at myself because I saw myself at this place and I'm not getting there. Resolve it, acknowledge it. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's explore it so that it's not like you're holding yourself up to this standard that was either set by yourself or set before you. Mm-hmm. And I think that those would be some areas that I think once Molly started to do that with herself, I think then she would be able to not judge others so harshly um because i think you it's 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 a lot easier to be accepting of other people if you're accepting of yourself but if you're struggling with what you're not doing and everything else it's it's you're still comparing yourself or you're still looking like well these people not doing this and they're not doing this and it's not like everybody's path is different and i think that that was the biggest thing that um i would want to show molly is to be like okay well this may not happen for you like but is is that is that going to be you know what you define as your happiness. And I think a lot of people have a difficult time defining what happiness looks like. There is very measured in material things. And I think once you can kind of resolve um, finding getting better to an emotional place, like the material things don't matter as much as when you try to define your own happiness. And that's for sure. I think what, I think what makes Issa and Molly's friendship so amazing is that they they share a lot of common like tendencies, right? Mm-hmm. But they are two totally different, com- like completely different people. Like you said, like math and English. Like Molly is for sure math. Very mm-hmm. much like cookie cut it. There's mm-hmm. only one correct answer and there's only one way to get the motherfucking answer. And mm-hmm. that's how she is. Right. And Issa is like, I mean, you could come up with the answer like 2,000 different other ways, and I'm just going to try like every fucking way to get it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how they drove each other crazy, mm-hmm. because it's like, girl, what? <laughs> you can't just quit your job like that? And Issa's like, well, why not? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, why? I think, but that's what made their relationship 
so dynamic mm -hmm. to me. But also when they was down bad, I was like, damn, y'all are down bad right now because y'all yeah. are also too, y'all can't understand each other. But y'all also can't, both can't communicate well. And you both have to have like control over all your situations. So it was like, sometimes it's a recipe for disaster, but when you get it right, the recipe is right. But yeah, Molly was definitely like, if it did not fit in the cookie cutter shape that she made, forget about it. Forget about it. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad my girl got to a, <laughs> um to be herself and to, you know, to be herself because I think so much of um what Molly did throughout so many of the seasons was she got to a place where she started to realize the more I say who I am and the more I acknowledge and, you know, actually am aware of who I am, it became my thing for her, the less I'm going to tell people. So she wasn't really being authentic, I want to say, until this relationship because she was afraid that, oh, if I really show who I am, you know. People aren't going to like it. People aren't going to like it. Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm going to show who I am out the gate. <laughs> show who I am <laughs> out the gate. And then that way, the people who are with me, the people who are around me, know and love me for who I am rather than this image that I've been trying to portray because I feel like the, at the end of the day you can only hide who you are for so long but it's it correct and it and I think that it will start it's with Molly it's it will come out in passive aggressive ways whether it was with Issa or within her relationships the more she tried to hold back and be like don't be crazy Molly don't do everything then you send in crazy texts and you know put in people and kind of put in expectations on people so it's like oh you're still doing you're still doing it, mm -hmm. not doing it in a way that's actually a positive communication of setting boundaries and expectations with people around you so that you don't, you know, so that if you have to remind them of a boundary, it's something that, oh, I'll let you know this out the gate versus, well, oh, I really felt this way the whole time, but I was afraid to tell you because you was going to leave, like, well, once they find out, then what? Like, because now you're being dishonest with yourself. So I think just acknowledge it. And I mean, I know Molly was, Molly had some stuff for her. I ain't going to hold you and say she did. But I feel like, I always feel like, you know, she, um, one thing I can say, she did the work, though. She did do the work. She did do the work, and I think that is the one thing that I was the proudest of. That, like, yes, she's just out here on some shit and be making bad decisions. But she got to the point, she's like, well, I'm going to try to at least do something about it. Between her going to therapy and then kind of taking that break of, I haven't been really dating for a year, like, just to make sure I'm good. And then when she started to recognize some of the patterns that she started to exhibit of what she wanted to change, she was aware of like, you know, hey, I forgot this is, you know, these old behaviors are going to come up. My default is coming back, but I need to say, oh, no, I'm in a different space now and I need to remind myself of it. So I think just continuing to have those conversations to say like, hey, am I functioning my best? Am I, am I, you know, doing, am I doing too much? Let me step back and, you know, like, like, let me give myself a breather. Let me not put my pressure, put this pressure on myself. Because I think when you put pressure on yourself, what you start to do is put pressure on other people. Oh, yeah, for sure. And don't nobody like to be pressure cooked. Nobody. Okay. We are not air fryers, okay? We are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, I, when it went off, I was just like, y'all just gonna leave us like this? I was like, damn, this is it. It was. It was. This is it. It was beautiful, though. This is it. And you know what? I hope and pray that you get your happy ending like Molly and I get my happy ending like Issa. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, this is getting too sentimental. Let's get to the bullshit. Let's... Let's get to the bullshit. Let's get to the real. <laughs> 
What do you do? You want me to go first, or what do you have for your Trappers Digest? My Trappers Digest is a bad bitch anthem. Um, if you do not know this song word for word when it comes on, you can't be in my circle. There's just there's no room for you here in my life. Maybe somebody else's, but not mine. Um, it is from the one and only Nicki Minaj. Um, itty bitty piggy. Okay, okay. it okay. is a when you when you hear that shit. When you hear Soldier Boy saying, yep, yep, yep. Okay. Okay, you just know. You just know. Phones right now. Like, I'm like, hold on, wait a minute now. Hold on. Okay, so we're going to go from where she, where Holiday brought that shit back, where he brought it back, you know, because you got to get, you got to prep that shit. You got to get that shit wet first. You know what I'm saying? So she says, I was on a plane with Dwayne. You can call me Whitley. I go to Hill, Maine. Listen, I'm the baddest in the school, the baddest in the game. Excuse me, honey, but nobody's in my lane. When you was in New York, you was fucking a Yankee. I was fucking with bass. I was pitching a Frankie. These bitches so cranky. Give me a hanky. Little mommy, I'm cold. Give me my blankie. Fire than a kite, I get higher than Rapunzel. Keep the snow white, I could buy it by the bundle. Step your cookies up before they crumble. Don't be acting like the Cardinals and gonna fumble. Cause I'm a stealer, fresh about the dealer. All the dope boys gon' feel her. Flow so sick, I need a healer. Fuck is my Mac concealer. I be out of Queens on the back of four. Weep, 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 I'm a big deal. That's why I get more head than a pigtail. Put some branch up, I'm getting the munchies. I think I have a rat bitch for my entree. Now listen. That is just a bad bitch anthem. And I feel like... At the end of the season, end of Insecure, I feel like Issa, she could have played this song. She could have played, she did play Bossy, and I love that. But if she would have played Itty Bitty Piggy, I would have been like, yeah, yeah. You're you're in your prime right now, baby. This is, it's holiday season right now. You know what? You deserve. You fucking deserve. You are that bitch. You are that new bitch. Continue to thrive in abundance. Mm. Okay. Yeah, Itty Bitty Piggy by Nicki Minaj. If you don't know the verses, I don't. I don't even know why we bother at this point. Like, get up. It's me. I win. You lose. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Uh, but yeah, that's my that's my Trappers Digest. It's really not much to digest except if you a bad bitch, you a bad. The girls who get it get it, and the girls who don't no. don't. Right. Period. Period. What's your Trappers Digest? So my Trapper's Digest this week is Material Girl by Saucy Sensei. Material Girl! <laughs> by Saucy or Santana. Okay. Okay. So just a snip, you know, chopping bitches down like ever scissor hands. I don't want no petty money, nigga. Run them bands. Uh, island living, chilling with Toucan Sam. Fucking billionaire ballers. Rap shit got me green. Motorsport do the dash. Drop the top in the lamb. Chanel bags that'll make me know it. You need a hot girl, boy. You boy, you gonna have to show it. You want to taste, baby boy? You gonna have to throw it. Deposit all accounts, baby. Keep the cash flowing. Bust down wrist, but the bust down keep them. Come on, goddamn it! Bust down wrist, <laughs> bust down keep them going. Okay. If I like my niggas laid, don't come here with no chips. How much is you paying? I don't speak broke broke broad language, so. The reason that I wanted to do Material Girl from Santana and just because how I feel like it relates to this whole conversation, I have personally always have subscribed 
to the bougie black female character. I think it. Mm. I have. I am a stand of the Hillary Bankses, the Whitley Gilberts, the Regine Hunters, the Molly, the Tony, the Tony Child, Tony Child, the Material Girls. Because I feel like <clears throat> you can still be very in touch with your culture. You can still be in touch with very black, black um, professional things, and still, you know, be lit, but also still have this. Um, want to obtain certain things that and I think that a lot of times I will also see this character as like oh they're just this and it's just like what's wrong with that what's wanting us a different standard what's wrong what's wrong with saying like oh I like certain things I like to eat certainness I like to do certain things I don't think there's absolutely anything wrong with it I've always loved those characters I've always think they've been fucking dope and I feel like we need to see black women luxuriate like everybody else is able to do it. I know that's right. I like shoes. I like bag. I like going out to eat. I like to be laid in fashions. Preach herself should be for everybody. And I never want, I never, I looked at Molly's situation and what she had and I was like, she worked hard. She got, Mm -hmm. uh, she should enjoy these things and not feel bad about it. Correct. I stand for that. I'm very big on that. That's a very big thing for me. Um, like, there is a way to support your friends and be there for them. And, oh, everybody has their own path, but this is the path that I chose, and I'm not going to diminish or make myself smaller because of what you got going on. Period. Material girl. But I'm also like, I'm so, well, I don't want to eat that shit. I'm about to go to to, <laughs> to the top shelf right there. If you know, your skull or your crystal palace or whatever, whatever, your burnets, whatever you got to do, that's cool, sis. I'm not judging you. I'm not I'm not drinking that. Hey, uh-uh. I'm not drinking that. And I subscribe to them. I love, shout out to all the black bougie girls. Like, I, we, we see you. I see you. I love you. I see you. I love you. We see, we see each other. Okay? Um. So, wrapping it up, my trap song of the week is going to come from Miss Med The Stallion, um, it comes from her mixtape that she put out recently. I don't know if y'all have heard of it. Um, it's something for the hotties. It comes from her little mixtape that she put out. Um, and it is called Megan's Piano. Something about Megan's Piano just makes me want to pop my shit. I'll be like, yeah. Yeah. I'm really that girl. Y'all can't touch me. Yeah. That's how I feel whenever Megan's Piano is played. So y'all go ahead and stream that. What's your trap song of the week, Ra? Uh, my trap song of the week is actually going to be... It took me a minute because I didn't know what the, the best song. Um, I'm going to say it's Big Energy by Lotto. Oh, big, not Big Energy. Big Energy by Lotto. You like Big Energy? I like Big Energy. It, I, it grew on me. I like the message. She just like, she's like, I'm just looking for confidence. Conf- yeah. He. Confident, yeah. he, you know, and it's just she just she she just saying, hey, you just it's just and listen and, and trust we have had conversations about so they just got that energy about them they just they have, got that energy they got it about something <laughs> about it and I just I just think it's dope and shit it come on every time I'm out in the street so my and we that song <laughs> gonna be big energy by Big Lotto. <laughs> I know that's right. I like Lotto. Lotto, Lotto, Lotto. I like her, so I'm going to fuck with it. I just don't like that she ain't know that um, it was from Fantasy. Well, she was like, okay. I- and also, <laughs> Fantasy sampled another song, but I feel like everybody knows we know yeah. the version. I don't know. Yeah. I don't I don't know what y'all it's okay. Doing, but if you wasn't alive in the 90s and from Mariah Carey, you missed a magical time, okay? it was. Oh, what a time to be alive. 
Mariah in the 90s. Mariah was on fire. Do you hear me? Nothing like it. And she had the niggas on the track, too. That's how I said, this is my type of girl. Nothing She's like a bougie girl that still hang with hood niggas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Put, her, put her in the nurse. She let me know, like, oh, you can be hood and still go to the Waffle House or classy and go to the Waffle House. Damn it, Mariah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's my type of girl. Huh, but thank you guys so much for trapping it out again with us on Trap Therapy. I know this episode was kind of a long one. If you stuck it out to the end, congratulations. <laughs> we appreciate Let's We appreciate y'all for fucking with us. About the process. So it's been a lot going on and we yes. But yes. We'll, this is great. This is fun. This is fun. Until next time, guys. All right, bye. Bye.